The Bible tells the story of our Lord's healing of ten lepers. All left rejoicing, but only one returned to him to give him thanks. And to that one alone, Jesus said, Your faith has saved you. Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. And to discover more about our radio ministry and our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. The story of the ten lepers reveals what makes faith a saving faith. That faith that saves rises not to the point of gratification, but from the point of gratitude. Listen in, and we'll explain this important point. It's valuable to share with people who have maybe grown up in North America, who the only exercise of the Christian religion they've seen is a Christian religion that provides comforts for them, and aids to them, and help to them, and they could even think about the fact that then we have projected it this way, that simply receiving Jesus in your life is just like getting a, a train ticket in your back pocket that you can use to get yourself to heaven. You can go on enjoying yourself and, and have a good life and do whatever you want to do, and this will just satisfy at the end so that you don't, doesn't end out poorly for you. You want it to end good for you in the end. So wouldn't you like to have a, would you like to have a cabin up on some lake in the mountains? Wouldn't that be nice? How would you like to have a cabin like that in heaven? You know, even better. It'll last forever. You can have it. You can give your life to Jesus and you get that cabin. You, you got a lot of burdens in your life. How would you like to have all those burdens taken away? Wouldn't you? You'd be a little bit lighter on your feet and you'd have a better day and you'd have more meaning and purpose in your life. And wouldn't you want that? Well, here, let's give that to you too. Jesus wants to give that to you. Jesus wants that for you because he loves you. You know what begins to think coming upon the heart of a person is, yeah, these are the things I've always desired. I've kind of been denied these things and I'm somewhat deserving of these things. And it, it begins to make sense now that Jesus died for my sins and Jesus died to redeem me because those are the things I, I actually kind of deserve. And you can see it in the heart of an individual. And so when we're evangelizing a person, we're talking to them. One of the things we want to make very clear to them is that this is an act of mercy on God's part. This is an act of mercy on God's part. I'm an aside here, but I just have a problem with a certain term that's thrown around. I think initially it was quite helpful to be used, and it has a point, and it has a scriptural basis to some extent, but it can be overblown. It's the idea of social justice, that we're going to go out and we're going to minister justice in the world, and people need to receive an expression of justice. And I'm just going to tell you that the world as a whole doesn't need justice. It needs mercy. It needs mercy. Because if they get what they deserve, they get their comeuppance, the Bible's revealed to us it's not what they want. It's destructive and it will destroy them. What they need is mercy. But here's the wonderful promise. God offers mercy. What they need is not something they can earn, but grace, something that they don't deserve and that they cannot earn. It's freely given to them because of something God has done on their behalf. And when you explain to them that Christ has come and though they've sinned against him and rebelled against him, he in love died for them and gave his life for them in order to redeem them from their sins. You need to understand something as we approach. There's a call upon your life to believe and receive him and trust him. In that moment, you'll be forgiven. He'll come into your life. He'll wash you. He'll make you clean. He'll live within you. He'll give you eternal life. And here's what you need to know as you're approaching this moment. You don't deserve this. You don't deserve it. But he deserves you. He deserves you. He gave his life for you. He died for you. He suffered for you. He poured out his life in your place in order that he might possess you as his very own. And ultimately there is this one overriding reason for saving faith. It's not to get from God, but it's to give to God. 
And when we speak to a person in this way, we're appealing to this note of saving faith. We're searching for it. We're exploring to see if God is touching them with this impulse and this desire, a note of gratitude and love that turns from self to God and offers up their lives to him in surrendered faith. A young woman told me the story of her day of salvation. She was walking in the woods, dark, deep woods, and she was having a conversation with God, and it was a complaining conversation. She was belly aching that God had not given her what it was that she wanted in order to enjoy her life and have fun. Instead, he had just put all kinds of moral limits on her and demands upon her that was spoiling her pursuit of her own pleasure and her own enjoyment, and she was complaining that it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, and Then as she was going on her complaints and her muttering, she realized that she was lost in the woods. She realized also that it was coming towards the end of the day and she had no way of knowing how to get out of those woods. And so at some point, she left off her conversation. She tried to retrace her steps. She had been so enmeshed in this complaint. She was literally shouting out her complaints against God and shaking her hands against them as she was walking along the path. And then when she realized she was lost and she looked and she couldn't find her way out and it was getting darker and darker, it was getting colder and colder, she found herself pleading with God to help her find her way out of the forest before nightfall came. And then a realization came upon her. That's how she had always treated God. She had always sought him just for her own gratification, for her own satisfaction. She had called upon him when her needs were something that were pressing upon her so he would deliver her. When she was in trouble, she called upon him to pull her out of some sticky situations. And so often, God had answered her over and over and over again though she had never returned in gratitude to him, and it broke her, and her prayer changed. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. You've been so good, and you've been so faithful, and I've been so horrible. Come take me and forgive me and change me. Have me as your own. That's saving faith. It's faith that goes beyond just seeking gratification. It's a faith that's born out of gratitude. The Samaritan has his immediate need gratified, He's had born in him in that moment of faith that's more than the satisfaction of his great need. Uh, The faith that now comes upon him begins to inform a sense of love and gratitude to the one who met his need. It's a faith to give glory to God. He's not satisfied simply to celebrate his healing. He wants to celebrate his healer and he's driven back to him. It's, It's not enough that he's been gratified. His life is not satisfied and his faith has grown within him now that the only answer to it is an expression of gratitude for love's sake. A repentance and a faith take shape in his heart as he's making his way back to the Lord Jesus. And when he finds the Lord Jesus, he falls in complete surrender at his feet. It says he fell on his face before him. And he gives loud glory to God and he gives thanks to the Lord Jesus. And then Christ meets him with this wonderful word, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And he receives the assurance of unending life from him. This is the salvation you need And it comes by way of this grateful faith. Saving faith is touched by love and gratitude for the one who died for you. It's a faith that begins to see beyond your own interest to God's and loves him and wants that he should gain what he sought in saving you and dying for you. Here's a little hymn that came to mind as I was writing it. We've sung it many times in the church. I am not skilled to understand what God hath willed, what God hath planned. 
I only know it as his right hand is one who is my Savior. I take him at his word and deed. Christ died for sinners. This I read, and in my heart I find a need for him to be my Savior. That he should leave his place on high and come for a sinful man to die. You count it strange, so once did I, before I knew my Savior. And oh, that he fulfilled may see the travel of his soul in me. Oh, that he fulfilled may see the travel of his soul in me. May all that he suffered for be expressed in fulfillment in my life. And with his work contented be, as I with my dear Savior. Gratitude. Gratitude is what gives birth to saving faith. And here's the third thing we should observe from this just for ourselves as a lesson. The Christian life of thanksgiving and praise must remain infused with gratitude and not just gratification. You know, you're going to experience some gratification to your appetite on Thursday. And at some point in time, it'll be satisfactory for a while, but when the meal is over, you're not going to feel so satisfied. You're going to almost feel like you're overloaded with gratification, right? You won't, you'll sit down at the television set and a commercial will come on for some food. And you'll say, turn it off. <laughs> I don't want to see any more on eating. Nothing more. I don't want, let's not talk about it. Someone will say, well, you have to, like to have dessert. If you're like me, you'll have eaten so much. You'll say, in another hour, bring up the topic. I don't want to hear it prior to that moment in time. The gratification that you experienced, oh, you'll want to almost forget it for a second. You'll experience gratification to your appetite on Thanksgiving. But the real question is, will you go on in gratitude? Will you know gratitude on that day and on this? Yes, it's okay to be gratified. Dive into and celebrate the health and the gifts that God has given you. Number them this week. Begin to list all the ways in which God's goodness has infiltrated your physical life and your well-being. See it in the home that you live in, in the one that you live with, and the blessings that God has given to you. See it in the surroundings of your life. See it in your health, in your family, in nature and beauty and the experiences that God has given you and be gratified that God, for example, gave you taste buds and enjoy them in this week. And, but as you count all these things up, for the Christian, all these things that we should count up, we need to count back to the giver. Yeah, we're to count these gifts. It's okay for us to enjoy them. God is glorified when we enjoy these gifts, but we have to stop counting at some point in time and let each and all of them point us to the giver of every good and perfect gift. Remember, that all God's goodness comes to us in order to bring us to the greatest gift of all, the sacrifices of his son for our sins. And also remember this, this might be hard to grasp, but this greatest of gift of all brings to us all of God's goodness. All the goodness God gives to men is to bring them back to realize the greatest gift of all that God gave in giving us his son. And yet at the same time, that great gift of his son is what brings all that goodness to us. Man, sin from God, And in that sin, what man deserved was God's automatic sentence of unending death. But God didn't deliver it all all at once. God has slowly begun to unfold the death that our sin brings to us in order that with it God also might pour out to us the goodness of his life so that we might turn to him and believe in him and repent and receive his forgiveness. You might remember that before man sinned, the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So when we did sin, God could redeem us and call us back to himself and every good thing that man experiences, every good thing that you encounter, every common grace of life was paid for with the uncommon blood of Jesus Christ. All of it. 
And so as God sovereignly goes and surveys the life of every man in any place at any time and your life as well, all the way up to this point in time, and God dispensed his goodness upon you in any innumerable ways, sovereignly decreeing how his goodness would impact your life, pouring out his rain on the just and the unjust, writing out those decrees, delivering them to his angels who brought his blessings down upon our lives. You might think in a sense, and it's true, that all of the ink is written in the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ. It was purchased by his blood that we might experience all the grace of God, all the goodness of God, even the common ones. His sacrifice made available to us all of this goodness, and all of this goodness is meant to lead us to a sacrifice, to worship him and thank him. Uh, these lepers had a great change. They were no longer alienated. Their physical bodies were restored. They were brought back into their society. Uh, they were able to go back into their homes. Uh, things changed for them. Maybe the Samaritan began to follow the Lord Jesus. Maybe beyond the time of Christ's earthly ministry. Maybe he experienced what other followers of Jesus began to experience later on. They became alienated from their community because of their faith in Christ. They had what they possessed taken from them. Their bodies were beaten and battered because of their profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They lost their homes and their comforts. But he never lost his gratitude. He never lost his gratitude. What Christ had done for him and how Christ had delivered him. It's good for us to know these things. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership, evangelism, and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We are at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and your support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.